Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. It's the uh, first show here of December. Thanks for being with us. It's nice to be back in the studio after what feels like a too long of a break. I, I really haven't been here for two weeks. Dan, really only for a week, huh? Nice to have a little wet weather, huh? What say you guys? That was great, actually. Yeah. Is it over now? No, I think we're supposed to have some tomorrow. Oh, I don't know about that. I heard later later in the week, next like Thursday, hmm. Thursday or so, Thursday, Friday. To see what my friend Mr. Google tells me. Yeah. While you're Googling Thursday all... and Friday. That's what I said. I just said that. You said Thursday and Friday? I'm, I think so. I think he said starting on Thursday, I basically. I was Which multitasking. Which Thursday and Friday. That's cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That's good. Uh-huh. I want to take a quick moment to congratulate the Paso Robles football team, Paso Robles High School football team. Did you see that? I only saw the like a couple of posts saying that it was well worth um, enduring the weather to watch. Yeah, it looked like a, a pretty entertaining game. They won the CIF Southern Section Championship last night in a muddy battle. Wow. Against, I don't even know who they were playing from down south, but pretty impressive win. So congratulations, guys. Good job. Excellent. What division are they? CIF Southern Section. Oh. I think. I'm not even that familiar with that. Where I'm from, we were like, we were called Division 10, and that was because there wasn't an 11. (laughs) (laughs) Small schools. It's like Ironman football. Yeah. (laughs) Is that the same thing there? Are they considered really small, or are they in a bigger no, division? No, I, I want to say they're like a Division One kind of school. I, I don't know. I've, it's been a while since I've been in high school. Maybe someone will let us know. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, my uh, high school came to play Templeton two weeks ago. And I really did want to go, but that was where you know we had already planned to be out of town. That was why I missed the radio show. And so I didn't get to go, but um, Templeton beat up on Big Bear, so knocked him out of the CIF. Hmm. I think it was quarters or something, but uh, yeah. Anyway, good times. So that's it, huh? That football season's over. Yeah, I don't know if they go on to do like a state championship or anything like that. That'd be cool. Uh, but I think this is the big, the big one. Yeah, basically they won the. Uh, Northern Division title is what it says. Northern? I thought they were Southern. Yeah. It's right here according to Oh, Northern Division. But it's like, it's the Southern section, I think. Who oh. knows? There's, they got it all divided up. Okay. They but did anyway, good. They did really well. Yeah. It's complicated. It is. <laughs> Too complicated for a Saturday morning. Well, now. I can't, I can't find my notes, Dan. There they are. It's getting to be Christmas time. 
It's that time. Did you get a tree yet? Um, we have a fake tree. Oh, that's right. An artificial tree. I shouldn't yes. say fake because you can totally see it and feel it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's artificial. Um, and we're, we still are contemplating whether or not we do that. <laughs> it's fun. I told the kids, I told the kids if we used that, cause my oldest wants to get a real tree so that he can smell it. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, that if. If that's if you guys work it out that that's the deal, then so be it. But if you don't, the hundred bucks the tree would cost me, I could put towards a, some extra stocking stuffers or gifts or something for you guys. Yeah. So now they're in a pretty good little uh, discussion about. <laughs> <laughs> I got one lobbying for still. I'd rather have the fresh pine smell, and the other going additional <laughs> gifts. <laughs> I, you know, and I won't plug a major. Um, hardware store on the show unless you want me to but if you walk down <laughs> one of their aisles are you talking about home depot uh you're not starts, gonna hurt my starts, feelings starts with an l Lowe's. Oh, okay <laughs> anyway if you walk down one of their aisles they have a can of christmas tree scent oh oh yeah there you go yeah there it is that's awesome. you know you Maybe can that's spray it around the old um <laughs> good fake that. tree Artificial tree. There it is. I'm, I'm satisfied with the level of off-gassing the artificial tree is doing for us. We don't need additional chemicals. I thought I thought a fair compromise would be to have like one of those um, holiday wreaths that's made of actual. Oh yeah. You know, like they. I think they probably just they do cut, those at the farm. Yeah, yeah like they cut the bottom branches. off of the yeah, yeah or, or shaping cool. it or whatever, and then you get the smell. Another little thing, and then yeah, you know, they whatever. actually are cool. Actually, too, I, I like the smell of the Christmas tree. Sure, who I doesn't? Like, I don't like oh. the. I also like that um, off-gassing bag of pine cones that my wife puts on the hearth. I don't know what's in that. It's like cinnamon. Uh, <laughs> you guys yeah. don't have those? No, but I I think when they I was a kid, they smell good. Yeah, when I was a kid, we had those. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It smells like the holidays. Yeah, like pine cones. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's see. Since we're in the holiday theme here, did you participate in any Black Friday or Cyber Monday events? Either of you guys? I did not. No. Um, no. I. You know what? I. I wasn't. I don't want to make it sound like I was completely against the idea because I'll have you know I spent some time browsing um, some of the offers. Not Black Friday, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way I was going to endure that. I was down in San Diego with my family, and that's not that's not an environment where I'm going to be okay and people mob rushing stores. Yeah. And they had people that were camping out since like May, I guess, to buy a TV. Yeah. It was, um, no, there's no way I could do that. But Cyber Monday, um, I checked that out, you know, looked at Amazon and the different little places. And honestly, uh, I think I shared the story last year about the lawnmower mm -hmm. that I bought on Cyber Monday. Um, still ever so proud of that purchase. <laughs> it's been a great lawnmower. Um, and, you know. So this year I thought, man, I'm not going to I'm not going to lose money on not buying something at a <laughs> right? deeply discounted rate. <laughs> yeah. There was like no deals? No, nothing of like any value. It was like, you know, earrings and 
just weird little gifts that are, certainly weren't enough to grab my attention. And so when I saw some of the reports that the sales and stuff numbers just weren't as good, I thought, well, blame the retailers. They didn't put the good didn't stuff put on the sale. Good stuff to market, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you're gonna draw me out to go drop some money, you know, full of turkey, I'm gonna. It's gonna need to be some kind of a deal on something that I really want, not like a, you know. A video game or some earrings. I I don't. I'm not. I'm not marketable to either of those items. Well, you know, it's it's Did, interesting too, and maybe we should try to remember to do this next year. But I saw this reports that some of the higher items that people are there for, um, like the TV the or TVs whatever, and the you know some of the games and you know the video games and the newest right. things for the kids. Yeah. Um, you could actually go back to September and see that the price was the same as they marked it down to for Black Friday. Now, so Jim, if you went in September, you would have bought it for the same price and not have to deal with Black Friday. Surely you're not suggesting that this like marketing gimmick of Black Friday. Because <laughs> um, what I... Are any of your three articles concerning Black Friday? Yeah. Oh. Was it... Yeah. <laughs> what is all the... <laughs> I'm just sitting over here minding my own business. I'm used to you having like 15 <laughs> articles. I figure you have two weeks worth. I've uh, got it all right here. All right. So Black right Friday, right am I right? <laughs> I, I only really skimmed an article about Black Friday. It suggested that the sales were like 11% less than expected. That's, Is that accurate? Well, what I, the spending over the entire weekend kicked off by Black Friday, um, those, those sales figures are down 11%. Yeah. Disappointed that those people didn't come out. And, you know, I, I'm a pretty, like, practical guy. And I was sitting there... Um, watching as now these sales were we're not even doing black friday black friday starts wednesday and i started to say no that's that's a bs term you can't start friday on wednesday <laughs> wednesday has to be just wednesday. wednesday then you need to get through thursday and then you can officially have friday if you're trying to make me believe that you fit friday into wednesday uh, and are still going to preserve friday in all of its normal splendor I started to get mad at just that. You're you know? getting mad at the idea of having two Fridays a week? Yeah, yeah. I am. And you know what? <laughs> you had to think about that. One of my you? favorite comedians <laughs> talked a little bit about um, how they have two in one shampoo. And he's like, you can't get two into one. That is not possible to make two one. It would be overflowing, you know? So I felt like with the Black Friday thing, tell me you saw these ads. It was everywhere. Oh, yeah. Black Friday starts Wednesday now. Why wait till Friday to have Friday? And I just thought, God, this is such a, like, they don't even know what to do about it now. Instead, they should have said, like, Obama just signed an executive order making Friday 30 hours long, uh, you know? <laughs> and we're going to miss, like, 10 minutes for the next three months while we catch up for this opportunity to spend for 30 hours on Friday. Yeah. Something like that would have had more clout for me than just telling me they started Black Friday on Wednesday. So... How many? How much of that is just simply because it isn't? It's not like the firing of the gun, where it's like, hey, at at seven a.m. now on Friday, go shop, and your window is limited. Now it's like, you know what? Start shopping on Wednesday. You're gonna find some pretty good deals, <laughs> and then we're gonna open up a lot of things on Thursday. And by the way, yeah. I had to go to a store on Thursday this year, and um, just like 
the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And I actually felt bad that I was shopping. So we had this talk in my house. Okay. Don't feel bad. I felt terrible. When I was... If nobody shopped, those people could be at home. No, 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 no. You're you're missing the point. (laughs) When I was 20-ish, I worked at Albertsons on Foothill. Mm. I requested Thanksgiving. How come? I wanted to work it because I made triple time. Oh. I made triple time. My like (laughs) 17... I don't know. Did I even make that much? Well, I think the checkers at that time were making like 17 bucks an hour. They would make $51 an hour. Mm-hmm. to work that day and they're off by three or four i mean that was ugh, i wanted the holidays give me easter give me thanksgiving i want the triple time hmm. so don't feel bad there well, now are, I suddenly, it's very possible that people requested working that bad day. that you decided to trade your time with your family for extra money oh i was here <laughs> now i feel here, that it's no. my social obligation <laughs> to help you recognize the i'm good now the wrong of your way i'm good now yeah. Now that you have kids, wouldn't you rather? I mean, oh, be there with them, and then when they my could point is work or be with you, perhaps those people who were working there actually chose to be there or because really of the needed opportunity. It. Understood. Okay, fair enough. At any rate, for me, I felt bad. I felt like I shouldn't be there forcing the place open because of lack of planning. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sort of. But a lot of businesses were open on Thursday, I saw. Yeah. It seems like more and more lately are electing to sort of just power through what used There's to be. There's no off time. Yeah, what used to be like the day of shutdown for well, going and relaxing. What I found interesting is I saw people kind of backlashing against that, that they were going to not shop at the retailers that decided to be open on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and you know, start. I, I vote start it there. Too soon. I I I throw my vote in that column. Let's let's take a phone call. Okay, we're gonna we're adjusting some things here, but we are gonna hop over to a phone line. We've got Marilyn calling from San Luis Obispo. So we're ca- talking about presents, gift giving today. Okay. Sure. Well, we that's where we're starting. <laughs> got to start somewhere. Well, I like to. Um, purchase things they can use into the new year. You know, so I have some suggestions for you guys. All right. Okay. Um, theater tickets or to the pack, a special program Yeah. for children or adults. Uh, membership to the Botanical Gardens. Mm-hmm. You can get a family membership, and it covers programs for children as well as adults. Uh, I bought a mailbox one time at Miners and took it to Dave Wilson with a picture that had been given to me from relatives in Watsonville. And then he does graphic art on the mm. mailbox. Wow. And it's beautiful. And so you just buy a new, big new mailbox. Uh, giving them tools. Uh, if they garden a lot or giving them a live plant, like I've um, miniaturized my tree the last several years because I'm the only one here. And so I buy hollies oh. in the pot. So I plant them in the yard later. And so those are some of my favorite things. Anything that's ecologically um 
what do you say, uh, useful, mm-hmm. going along with the green. I only shop at local stores, no big box, ever, Target, Kohl's, any of those. Oh. And I'm getting more limited in that respect because... <laughs> Not as many around, huh? Right. <laughs> and I'm really trying to find a stationary store or someplace where they have really nice address books. Hmm. Uh, I still use one. And so anyway, I I can't find any. There's no Hallmark store or... There used to be a stationary store on Hygera. Actually, an old uh, college friend owned it called Paper Sky. I'm not sure if they're still there. They're right oh. near um, Choro and Hygera, like kind of where the, what is it called, the network, where there's that little yeah. hallway uh-huh. of other shops. Uh-huh. Right. Well, I know where everything is pretty well since I've lived here since 52. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try Paper Sky. Yeah, see if that's still there. Anyway, those are some of my suggestions. Um, If you need uh, curb numbers painted on, you know, with your address, get stencils and paint new numbers on your curb. Mm -hmm. So these are just, you know, wild ideas. Cool ideas. But um, last year, uh, Jeff from Continental Mm -hmm. Waterworks, uh, gave to his customers uh, six tickets to the Palm Theater. So you can use them throughout the whole year for any movies. Wow. So I thought that was a real, really, really generous gift. So anyway, Indeed. I like buying gifts, and I like to know uh, the tastes of the one to whom to receive the gift. So, are those new thoughts for you? They are. Yeah. Well, and if you use an artificial tree, like one of you were suggesting, mm-hmm. get that uh, evergreen spray. <laughs> we were talking about that. For the fragrance. For the I've room. been vindicated. They do sell it. Marilyn brought it up. Well, I have simple green. Okay. I'll just have the kids mop no, with no, simple no. green. All right. Thank you for your call today, Marilyn. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. You know what was the cool thing, though? What's when, that? When Marilyn was talking about those gifts that are um, kind of a little bit more thoughtful, um, we bought, uh, my family bought, uh, they call it like a, a membership, but really you're kind of like one of the donor ambassadors of the Monterey Aquarium. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. And, um, you know, since we joined, we get the newsletter and emails and stuff like that. And, um, you know, that's where we were two weeks ago. We went up to the aquarium and and did that. And um, it's pretty neat. The whole thing's pretty cool. The aquarium's neat. And you want to know something I learned that I didn't know? Um, Starfish are dying all over the place. And it sounds like uh, they're trying to figure out why still. But it sounds like it could starfish in the ocean could very well be a thing of the past. Wow. Was that a trip? It's kind of sad. It's very sad. Hmm. I wondered if it was because of all the plastics that are like floating around in the ocean or, you know, who knows what. We're not being very good stewards of Mother Earth lately, it doesn't feel. I read this week that next year is going to be the hottest year on record, some are saying. 
just global warming. I started thinking then too, we should probably all try to buy real estate in like slow or Avila beach. If the, or Morro Bay too, cause you guys are what average annual daily temperature is like 69 degrees or something. Sure. If that goes up every year, like I live in a Tascadero where our average day is already like 90. I know it's not that high, but I'm illustrating a point. If What if it starts like normal days are like 120 and then all of a sudden like in Slow or, or Morro Bay or Avila, those days then are like 85. You know, 85. <laughs> that real estate's going to be really expensive if you can live in a place that doesn't feel like you're on the sun. And then houses like in in like, you know, Paso and Atascadero are just going to be like free because it's 140 degrees there and nobody wants to live that in that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible? It, yeah, it's coming, man. Global warming. Read about it. It's, it's <laughs> no, I'll real. I'll check it out. I think that Al Gore invented it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well. It's 925, holy smokes. I did bring a laundry list of items that I wanted to talk about today. There's a lot of news. I have news from last week too because I, you know, obviously we weren't here to share it after the after the holiday, but um I have uh things that I'm so excited to talk about, GDP and employment and real estate. You're already yawning and getting ready for it. Um so yeah, let's let's do our first commercial break. When we get back, we'll hop on into it. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back in black. Welcome back in Black Friday. Oh, to see what I did there? Yeah, that was cool. Just trying to wake you up a little bit, man. <clears throat> or listening to the show put you back in the black. There we go. Mm-hmm. I like that. There it is. Hey, we were talking about spending over the, the holiday weekend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talked about how in-store sales weren't great. They're actually down 11%. We talked a little bit about the Cyber Monday thing, and and compared to last year, the Cyber Monday shopping was up almost 9%. Um, Somehow that turned into a negative headline because uh, it wasn't the 19% increase in sales that we saw last year, year over year. But it seems like it's pretty active uh, still, the whole Cyber Monday thing. I, I did share with you guys over the break that um, my inside source at Best Buy still tells us that uh, buying a television at, during the, uh, around Super Bowl time is really when you're going to get the best deal on a TV. It's not Bl- Black Friday or Cyber Monday. And they throw in like a 10-pound bag of Doritos, so you're good. There we go. <laughs> now, this is also, since we're Christmas time, talking, talking sales and things, PNC Wealth Management. Mm-hmm. This is a fun one. You'll remember this. Every year they come out with the Christmas price index. You know the song? No. You know the song, 12 Days of Christmas? Yeah, sure. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, go. this is one of my favorites. Yeah. Let's do it. So, according to PNC Wealth Management's Christmas price index, the other CPI, um, a set of gifts in each verse of the song this year would set you back about it would set you back $27,673 in stores. So this is if you go out and do shopping the old-fashioned way. Sure. Had you bred your own turtle doves, they're probably... Right. Now, this is if you're actually purchasing them in a store. Right. Um, that 27600 figure was an increase of less than $300 from last year. Less than a 1%, uh, roughly a 1% increase. Huh. Um, Interestingly enough, internet shoppers, if you tried to buy all these items online. What about my Piper's piping, though? Wait, wait. I, I, we didn't break it down by all the different things. Oh. Well, yeah. I got to say, those guys are under heavier demand now that there's just more money in the economy. So they're probably get, able to get yeah. a little more for piping. Sure. Good point. <laughs> now, if you tried to buy all of these items on the internet, you would have seen an 8% increase Ooh, over last year. Whoa. Wait, wait, we're not going We're anywhere. not going. There, there we, we go. go. Yeah. All right. Don't hit that button again. Yeah. So, doing <laughs> so if, if you tried to buy these items online, you would have seen an 8% increase over last year's prices. The total of buying these items online... Remember what it was buying in stores? Twenty-seven thousand, forty, almost forty-three thousand dollars. Heesh. 
Wow. Remember Marilyn just a moment ago saying she always buys from local stores? Mom and pops if she can? That's why. You know what's funny? I was actually thinking the other day that Amazon stock's gone through the roof, right? They got... Um, I feel like part of one of the business cycles of a lot of companies is you uh, you come out and in order to gain market share, right, you have to seem like it's a whole new idea, but also a great value. So things on Amazon were very inexpensive, a lot cheaper, right? Then And then they kind of start adding a lot of different services. It starts to kind of lose its specialty. It gets more expensive. Now it's like competing with Netflix and you know, you can buy laundry detergent because of the Amazon Prime. They ship it to you for free. Um, so I started thinking, you know, I'm and we use Amazon a little bit, but I, I look at Amazon and I was like, you know, it's really not that uh, much cheaper anymore. In fact, if you go like you mentioned Best Buy, I call that Best Browse um, for me because I I I can't do like electronic research. Like if I'm like leafing through um, different sales sites with the flashing this and the flashing that, but I want to know the specs or I want to compare, I want to try to, sometimes you just need to put something in your hand. I absolutely refuse to spend a penny in Best Buy. I'll go invent a computer and build it from scratch myself before I'll buy one from Best Buy now. I have had terrible experiences there but i'll go there and check them out hold the stuff look at the stuff you can scan the barcode with the phone and amazon will tell you if they sell the item how much it is and if you do this what you'll notice now is that amazon's really not cheaper than the other store options in town but it's kind of like they don't need to be you know it's like they gained all of that that notoriety over being affordable. So now people just assume they are. And I've actually found recently there are things on there that are more expensive than what you could buy it for. Hmm. And I think that's part of the business cycle where people really benefit. Um, you know, and when I say, I mean, really where the businesses benefit, like you benefit from their good name. Like take, for example, a company like Bose. They become this... They're the leader in their their research and development. That part of what they do is just better than anybody else, and you pay a premium for it. Beats, headphones, same thing. Then, then a company buys it or the model of the company changes, and they, they ride the benefit of that name for a while, um, just selling not quite the product they used to have, but enjoying the the familiarity and the belief in their superior nature. So I started wondering if it was time to take a position against Amazon stock to say that by the time that catches up and people begin to realize that it's not what it used to be, and in fact shopping online now because of its convenience, um, you know, because you can shop in your underwear from the couch, right? Surely that ends up, you know, costing at least the same, if not more, at some point. Um, and I just, I was thinking about that, and I, I'm not gutsy enough to say I'm ready to go short Amazon stock or something. But I do think that we're in a position where those online retailers, the the value that you get, is not what it used to be. One thing too that you may not think about is the shipping and handling charges. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would be actually cheaper to go to the store. Yeah. 
because maybe. by the time you pay for the, you know, they do that by weight and mm-hmm. maybe by the time that you actually pay that shipping and handling charge, then it could be cheaper to just go get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially with gas getting so cheap. <laughs> exactly. By the way, to answer your question, the Piper's piping really didn't see a big increase. No. No, it was the geese allaying. Ooh, geese, yeah. The geese allaying saw a big spike. Hey, what's a traditional Christmas dinner? Is it geese? I I think it is. Yeah. I was picking up my son and his buddy. Like if you watch A Christmas Carol, it's... Christmas goose. Yeah, it's a goose. I was picking up my son and his buddy the other day, and we were driving back to the house, and they said... You know, we're talking about Thanksgiving and how um, turkey's not that good. And said, well, what's traditional Christmas dinner? And I said, well, I think I think traditionally it was probably, you know, to cook a goose. And nowadays I would bet it's if you're looking for an alternative to turkey, it's probably ham or something. Or maybe now it's, it's like a, a tofu ham or something. <laughs> Tofurky. Yeah, something like gluten-free. But it was... Um, interesting to me just kind of to think about that and then i and so one of the kids was like oh gross cooking a goose and i'm like what do you mean gross he's like well a goose is like a bird I'm like, what do you think a turkey is you know go ahead or a chicken or like any like you know the little cornish game hens it's like the why is suddenly eating a bird like that weird <laughs> and um then i started thinking about that too is like, i've never i've certainly never cooked a goose have you cooked a goose no but duck no. i've had duck at your house like cook a duck mm, i'm not cooked. yeah i don't I think, think i've so. cooked a duck at my house yeah. Maryland. Um, any thoughts <laughs> <laughs> anyway i point being is that you know it's one of those things where just the scarcity of it now has got to be making it more expensive. So the geese, especially if you need a laying geese, not even just a you know a goose at your house that's not that isn't even like in its egg laying stage. That's a very valuable thing. Definitely to have goose eggs. Yeah, I wonder how those are. Have a goose egg omelet. <laughs> Imagine it tastes like chicken. <laughs> I don't really know. Huh. Right. Fascinating. So, bottom line is in the in the old Christmas index, things are a little bit more expensive. About one percent. If you get out and shop for them yourselves, on the county you sit at home and shop on the internet, you can expect to be really taken advantage of. It's pretty wild, huh? Yeah. Wow. I'm trying to think of the song. I know I could Google it, but um, yeah, was, there's a partridge in a pear tree. Yeah, that. That's it's a long song, so, don't, so don't, I don't know if we have enough time to sing the whole song. No, I, okay. we can move on from that. I did plant a pear tree at my house this year, but oh, cool. it's no partridges. Nary yet? a partridge to be found. <laughs> they show another roads to turkey as a traditional turkey, uh, Christmas dinner. Yeah, That's the only thing I'm really finding quickly. And we discussed that too. I mean, I. But who wants to have like a whole turkey? You pretty much eaten the last of the turkey right there, right? Let stuff will bleed in December for sure. <laughs> I, I don't even eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I don't like the stuff. But uh, oh man, I couldn't imagine what cooking it again a month later. I don't know. Seriously. You need to come over next year. <laughs> I just not. Maybe you're it. just doing it wrong. But perhaps. <laughs> yeah. They do always make me cut it though. Oh. Because evidently I'm the only one that understands how the you know the best way to cut it. <laughs> 
First off, maybe he's a little too into the Grateful Dead, and then he doesn't like turkey dinner. Yeah, what weird. The heck, weird. All right, as long as we're on the topic. Next, you're gonna say you don't like mashed potatoes. Oh, I love mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, those are good. I mean. Let me clarify that. I like the mashed potatoes that have like the butter and cream in it. If you just smashed a potato, that's like dry, <laughs> chalky junk. Let's bring on the fat. Then we're now we're talking. Um, oh, dude, you did it again. We're like, what? It's break time. Yeah, it is. It's break time. But I, th I think the bigger point here is that the Christmas price index is probably fairly in line with the consumer price index that gets talked about a little more throughout the year. One percent, yeah, year over year, seems like about it. Yeah, well, to you know, in this case, like the Pipers, for example, um, they're going, going to go back to, there. Huh? Well, but see, the the Pipers <laughs> are not going to let it go. They're keeping up with inflation, though, right? I mean, to be hired to do a job to get a wage to buy their food and pay their rent and stuff. Right? General inflation has been about one percent. So if the Pipers kept up with that, they're in pretty good shape. Sure. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take that break. Do it. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. If you'd like to call in with a question or comment, you could do so by calling 543-8830. When we get back, I'm going to say something about a loan. Cool. All right, we're going to be right back after these messages. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. Refi or refinance a home. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical. Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. 
All right, guys, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. Um, I'm sure the royalties on that song went up by 1% this year. Probably, because we're playing it right now. Moving on. <laughs> um, we're heading into that end of the year period again, and I know we're not quite there yet. I did think, by the way, at some point we should go back and listen to that show where we made some god-awfully wrong predictions about <laughs> what might happen. Um, I do recall that one of the ones I talked about, though, was the Dow hitting 20,000. Oh. And... Um, I don't know that I saw it happen this week. Did it crest 19,000? It got awfully close. Really? Yeah. No way. Dude. I'm looking it up. I'm going to look it up, too. Well, yeah, someone has to or talk. Or 18,000. There we go. Thank you. 17,000. Yeah. Not 19,000. I'll get on board with that. My bad. My bad. Yeah. I, uh, it's still early. I have only actually barely made it into my coffee. Yeah, 18,000. We saw 17. Nine seventy something at some point this week, and um, all I could really think was the Dow can go up a couple thousand more points in the next three weeks, and at least make part of that prediction, right? Uh, so I started kind of looking at what what's been going on year over year. Um, one of the things that really just hops out because you know we're in the business of home loans. Thirty-year uh, fixed twelve months ago. What do you think it was? 12 months ago? 12 months about ago. a quarter to a half a percent higher than today. That's what I like about you. You just kind of like throw a grenade to cover a little reasonable range. And <laughs> you're, you're right on the money. Um, a year ago, it was 4.29%. And today, we're calling it 397 That's like what the averages are. So, yeah. About three-eighths. Yeah, about three-eighths. Actually, smack dab in between a quarter and a half. Uh, congratulations! Thanks. If if I wasn't facing opposite you um, with laptops as though we were playing Battleship, I would think <laughs> that you just looked at my Battleship. Um, but yeah, so rates are um, actually lower now, and uh, we've certainly broadcast the show since this happened. But the Feds are totally out of that. Um, you know. QE3 mortgage-backed securities bond buying program. Well, now they announced it, but it doesn't actually conclude until the end of this month, right? Um, I think that was my understanding. They announce it for what's going to happen the next month. So I think at the end of December is when they will... The, the actual purchases will I thought conclude. that was the end of November. We'll have to look it up to be sure, because I remember that Halloween was the final announcement, and uh, maybe. it's been a whole other month. Maybe then. So we'll double-check at any rate, it's interesting to see that this is the 12-month period in which that happened. And we're at the very tail end of it. And interest rates have, in fact, gone down in face of it. Um, and it kind of tells us that's where interest rates really kind of like to be right now. They have this, this trading range where um, it's... Yeah, it's right around 4%, which makes it a great climate to be able to to buy. Um, and one of the things that's interesting to me is just the little bit of improvement we've had. Because we've had about like three to four weeks of betterment. Uh, amount of refinance activity in the office has all of a sudden really picked up. People calling and, you know, like I had I was getting off the phone with a gal yesterday where she called to check in on a refi, you know, and it saved like 19 bucks a month kind of thing and just really couldn't be justified. And so I had made the comment to her that, you know what, 
doesn't always make sense to refi. It's really a great thing that you called and like we explored it and looked into it, but it doesn't always add up. And um, but there have been several where people call up um, a lot of folks that got loans about. 16 months ago, 18 months ago, have like a four and five eights kind of rate. And if you're at 4.625, getting yourself down to four, you know, and if you err on the low fees side of the transaction, you're looking at like a four and an eighth or a four and a quarter. So if you, if you do like a no fees, maybe you're four and a quarter, but coming down from four and five eighths or something to that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if there's no out of pocket or out of equity expense in doing it to save some money every month. Um, so interestingly enough, lots of people uh, calling to talk and explore whether or not they refi. And as long as we're just on that topic, I always, always have to throw this out there. If you have any kind of mortgage insurance, you should probably be calling to talk about that. Um, my one of the clients I, I took open a um, you know opened the file this week and took an application was a, a client of mine who bought their house in 2005, like the old oops, what a poor time to buy real estate. Um, they we talked about redoing their loan at one point. They had a 6% 30-year fixed, but it wasn't a HARP loan. And they've been paying on that bad boy. We looked at it a few years ago to try to get the payment down, you know, like to refi them to like four and a half at that time. Uh, they didn't have the equity. Their house was purchased for $460,000. And at that time that we explored it, it appraised for three thirty. dollars and they couldn't get a loan. And so now they're back today looking back into this. And the house is definitely worth 460. So um, kind of a call out to the other people too. Maybe you never did refi and you don't have mortgage insurance and you were waiting just to see your equity bounce the rest of the way back. Um, those people, if you sideline, you were sidelined because of a lack of equity. Now it's probably a decent time to explore it. And I'll tell you what, these guys that have a loan, um, the vintage of 05, um, they've been paying on that loan for nine years. So going back to a 30-year term really isn't probably the best idea. Look at so we're 15. exploring doing a 15-year loan. Um, and the difference in coming down in rate um, plus... You know, so you're going from a 6% 30-year loan to like a 3% 15-year loan. That difference in payment with the shorter amortization really means the payment's darn near equal. So that reminds me of yet one more group of people that don't know that they might should be talking about refining right now. Is that maybe you have a pretty decent rate. Maybe you don't have mortgage insurance and you're, you feel like you're in an okay spot. You ever considered refinancing into a higher payment? People do it. I've been, I've been actually thinking about it myself. If I refinance myself into $600 a month more, and that, that's like we got to adjust the budget. That's a little bit freaky. It sounds scary and overwhelming, but we'll shave like 13 years off of my loan term just to pay 600 bucks a month more. So sometimes, you know, and I'm thinking about people, you know, maybe you can't afford it, but what if you had a house that you bought with just you 
And now your like fiance is living there with you and you guys are going to get married and there's a second income now. Why not consider refinancing into a shorter loan term and being able to pay your house off that much faster? So there's a lot of reasons why somebody might consider refinancing. And, um, you know, I usually just encourage everybody to call in and and get a little bit of a consult about what it is that might be possible. Um, there always are changes to the programs and there are new programs. So even if you checked it out a year ago, it's still worth looking into. Uh, it's um, always a good idea to make sure that you're you know, would, don't you sit down with your financial advisor, you know, once a year, twice a year, find out if if you're doing the right things, are you saving enough, are you planning the right way, or you sit down with your accountant before it's actually tax time to make sure that you did it right and everybody's on page of, you know, whether or not you're costing yourself money or leaving things out. Same thing with the mortgage. That's a good practice to check in every year or two and make sure that you're still doing what you should be doing. And I like to think that we're the kind of company with integrity that, you know, if you call in and, and it is evident that you are doing the right thing by sticking with what you got, we don't have any trouble telling you that. Well, you made a, <clears throat> excuse me, you made a great point during our sales meeting this past week that now is the time of year when you plan for the, the mortgage financing you're going to do next year because <clears throat> you know, tax time's coming up. In order to qualify for a mortgage today, it's all about what appears on your tax return. You know, from time to time, we still get folks who come in to, to seek a mortgage and they wonder why it doesn't make sense. You know, <clears throat> I've always paid my mortgage for 30 years. I've never been late. I've never missed a payment. I've got this amazing financial statement. Oh. And an 800 credit yeah, score. Yeah, and just great blah, credit. Blah. Well, it doesn't work that way anymore. The The mortgage guidelines are run and enforced by the government. You have to comply with the rules today. The rules today say we need to look at two years of tax returns. So now is the time where you can plan, If if you know, especially if you're self-employed or have other, you know, something other than just wage income going on with your financial life, now's the time where you plan on what those 2014 returns should look like in order to help you qualify in 2015. Yeah. Um, a couple things about that. Number one is all of Fannie Mae is really going to require two years of tax returns. Freddie Mac, sometimes we can get away with just one. So if you, let's just say you're in this, this comes up quite a bit. Let's say you're in the trades, electrician, plumber, roofer, whatever. 2012, still pretty brutal. When I see your tax returns, you struggled that year. 2013, that was certainly better. And 2014 has been great. Um, so we sit down to kind of figure out, and, and I'm never, when we talk about planning to qualify by way of filing your tax returns, we're in no way suggesting that you're uh, manipulating the numbers or saying you made more money than you actually did. What we're saying rather is looking at the expenses and, and you know, we keep bringing up self-employed people. It's not just self-employed people. I have a lot of clients that work at CMC or work at Cal Poly. They work at PGE. They use a 2106 form um, for non-reimbursed employee expenses. Let's say, for example, you work at CMC, you have 
um, uniform expenses because there's a belt or a holster or a gun or some boots or you know whatever there's some additional costs that the um, the state really isn't going to pay for you but you consider them essential to your um, duties at work there's a way that you can account for those on a 2106 form and some guys really go crazy with that you know they they want to have all this different tech gear and expensive flashlights and several boot options with or without the steel toe and all these different things and they expense it all where if we're being perfectly honest at least some of those expenses were just elective and so when we sit down to talk about the taxes for the self-employed or the wage earner if you're somebody that uses 2106 expense every year and you know that you need to buy a house right now you're trying to get pre-qualified you're working on it or you have a house that now you have equity back and you're dying to refi and 2014 or 2015 is going to be the year those are the people where i'm saying let's before you push go on that on that filing of that 1040 let's sit down and crunch whether or not you qualify based on it if you do obviously no action required if you don't and you miss it by a really thin margin once you hate to miss qualifying because of you know that extra thousand bucks you wrote off on those bs meals anyway um generally speaking if it was just a thousand bucks at your tax rate that's going to cost you 150 dollars to you know to not claim that thousand dollar expense or write-off yet the refi is going to save you 150 bucks a month don't trip over the dollar to pick up the dime. So what we're saying is if you're in that spot, you want to refi or you want to buy, you know it's part of your plan as we're coming into tax season, come talk to us and make sure that you're on a good path. Make sure that you aren't missing something in the bigger picture. Um, it really does make a difference. And the other thing is one of the things people don't realize is that there are there are certain um, entries on your tax returns that can be added back that aren't actually expenses to you like depletion or depreciation of equipment or goods. Those kinds of things do actually count in your income qualification, but they're, um, they're subtracted from your actual taxable income. So I don't mean to be confusing or sound technical, but my point is you have no idea how to evaluate yourself for a mortgage. They rely heavily on your taxes. So as this opportunity comes to look at the taxes in terms of being prepared for a mortgage, let us help you with that. We're going to go into the commercial break here. We'll be back in a few minutes with another hour of Mortgage Matters. Do stick around. tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. What I hear is it's correct. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, thank you much for being with us. For those just joining us, you're listening to Mortgage Matters. I'm Jason Grody. I'm with my friend and co-owner, um, Dan Podesto. We run Central Coast Lending. 
And uh, man, we didn't even go out and get fresh air during the break. We we're just sitting in here, just keep on talking about the stuff. Um, it's an exciting time of year too. It's the fourth quarter, isn't it? it we're is. winding down to the end of the year where we're we're beginning to to get an idea of of what what 2014 actually meant. And I want to um, in this theme of what it was a year ago. Um, there was some in in the end of 2013. There was some really uh, well. Oh, to say the end of 2012. There were some really uh, optimistic projections made by economists, wasn't there? And then you remember what happened? The polar vortex. <laughs> I do. 2014 got that cold start and all the excuses. Remember all that? It was all like, oh, yeah, well, things froze over and we couldn't do anything. So 2014 was um, really started out with great optimism and was like frozen into lackluster performance in most regards. And so um, this year we're poised again with some um, very optimistic projections from economists saying that we are, and, and by the way, this note here, Dan, I accumulated this stuff on Tuesday. Um, here's one of the quotes that I took on Tuesday. Faster job growth and stronger consumer confidence pushing the u.s expansion to a steady trajectory through all of 2015 and all of that girded up by falling energy prices and i thought that's cool i'm all about faster job growth be nice to see some wage growth too um, and then at the end of the week we found ourselves grappling with the employment data and um I don't know about you, but um, I'll tell you, Thursday, we get this little look at what it could be, right? The ADP. And ADP, I, I always like to, to pause and slow down and talk about this because this is the way that the market um, ingests this data, right? We have, we know the first Friday of the month is the employment report. We know that's coming every month. And barring like a government shutdown due to debt ceiling or something, it's always usually there. But the stock market and the bond market like to know and sort of anticipate what's coming. And we look to any obvious sign of where that data is headed um, to help people predict what's coming and be positioned well for it. One of the most obvious ones is ADP. ADP is a private payroll company um, that has so much payroll that they are able to make some pretty good, oftentimes great, and sometimes pretty poor prediction of what actually is happening in the job market a couple days before the job report comes out. So the ADP National Employment Report showed 208,000 jobs were added in November. And I read that and said, well, that's good. Something over 200,000. Um, that's fantastic, actually. That's been the average of what we pretty much had all year long. And I'm glad to see that it's not something in the 90s again. Uh, we had one of those about a year ago this time. And uh, so I thought, that sounds safe. No need to like race to lock loans. That's not going to be like a a showstopper of a jobs report, 200,000 jobs. Um, 
And then Friday, we learned that the actual non-farm payrolls were uh, positive. We added 321,000 jobs. This is where an applause button would be Dude, that's really a, timely. That's what that's what we would call a gully washer right there. That is a big deal. That is literally coming through, cranking and blowing out the system of, man, did you guys see that? How many jobs we added? That is a lot of jobs. If we did that, if we averaged 300,000 all of 2015, this country would be like off the rails exploding. That would be unbelievable. And you know what else about the report was kind of impressive? What's that? They took October's jobs report and revised it higher to 243,000 jobs. So in fact, when the final tallies fell, October was better than what it seemed to be by about a 10% margin. November proved to be unbelievably good there's no denying that the unemployment rate didn't change for november's job report um i for one i'm kind of glad about that because oftentimes the reduction in that unemployment rate is due to uh people dropping out and losing interest and um what we want to see actually is a pretty steady unemployment percentage while growing the amount of jobs every month um, and check this out Hourly earnings, which were expected to be up, you know, last month were plus one percent, plus point one percent. This time, hourly earnings were up plus point four percent. So only do we add a bunch of jobs, way more jobs than we're used to by about fifty percent. We also um, had a pretty substantial increase in what people are being paid. You know, it's a it's really a great thing to see that the the employment portion of the economy is actually doing pretty strong right now. Um, so that's, that's some pretty wild news going into this fourth quarter. It sort of um, begs, I can't wait to see what happens in December. And then to go back and see the annual summary of the jobs that are created in the US in 2014, I'm gonna say it's a banner year. That's oh, pretty yeah. good. Um, so far, with a with a month to go in this year, the economy has seen over two and a half million jobs added, which is the best year for hiring since 1999. Fifteen year, fifteen years since we've seen hiring like this, and we still have a month to go. Yeah. Um, the the earnings, the average monthly or hourly wage earnings or whatever it was that that you mentioned. Um, Hourly pay over the course of the past 12 months has risen by about 2.1%. Yeah. So better than inflation, maybe not as robust as we'd hoped, but on the right track. Well, and you got to remember, too, when there are people lining up at the gate in droves to fight for the one job you have, do you need to pay a high wage? You do not. <laughs> when what you have is a job opening where you can't get people to come to work for you, you have to increase the hourly wage to attract those people. So in this case, where you're both adding a lot of jobs as well as increase in the hourly earnings, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that is actually the recipe of exactly what you want. That then leads way to people being able to take promotions, get pay raises, make transfers into um, competing companies where they can find additional wage. That's where you finally see the return of 
those head of house come house, household income wages. Um, so we're we're heading in that direction, and um, that's awesome. You remember on Mortgage Matters when we used to talk about um, how many jobs were lost in a month? These reports were like, you know, reading some kind of like a crisis statement about how many jobs were shed. Just neutralizing that, getting it to where there was no net loss or net gain in jobs was a pretty good feat. And now we've had a whole year where we've averaged more than 200,000 jobs created a month. That's pretty good. It is. And and this continuing recovery in the job market is what it's doing is it's it's continuing the likelihood that about mid-year next year that the Fed will will likely start to raise interest rates. Sure. Um, you know, jobs have been one of the key components they're watching for raising rates. This is like you said it's a banner number, um, something we should we should all be excited about um, adding that many jobs in a single month. Um, so look for rates to begin to rise. This year when we make our predictions, I I think we're we're going to be um, a little more accurate with our I'm going to say prediction. they're going down. <laughs> just go. I'm going to go from opposite. past mistakes. Yeah, just as much as I've learned about this um, business, one thing I've come to realize is that as much careful consideration and thought we put into uh, what it is is about to happen or most likely to happen, what we find is that expect the unexpected. Well, <laughs> and and you know, truly. Um, our market has been manipulated by, um, you know, however you want to term it, if it's bailouts or, you know, injections stimulus. of capital, <laughs> stimulus, it's on a kickstand for so many years in a row that absent of that, all we could think, and, and by the way, to justify how off I was last year, I'm only going to say this, how is it not, it can't be. It defies common sense to say that when we yank out all of the stimulus that rates are going to drop. Our opinions last year were that when you yank out all the stimulus that created the low rates, the rates are going to go up. And that was all we based it on. Um, and for that, you can't really be faulted. I think most people are equally impressed that rates stayed low this year, in fact, are lower than they were last year. Well, and what's interesting about a report like we saw this Friday with, with the jobs numbers looking so good is that rates really didn't react. Didn't overreact. In fact, what I saw on Thursday and Friday was rates improving when normally you see a report like this that's so positive that rates would normally move higher. Uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when you weren't here, um, that my belief is that the the Fed really has shifted their focus. It's all... It, for the last six or seven years, it's been all about jobs. That's been the focus of their of their policy, and and you know it's it's all been about jobs and hiring and getting real estate back on track. Now it seems to me that it's more about inflation. It's more about wage growth and inflation, and how those metrics work. And as long as inflation is going to stay low, below target, and as long as we're going to continue to have overseas issues. That's what's keeping rates low now, right? Yeah, it. Yeah, I. What you were saying, I was like, yeah, I relate to that. I think f first of all, I'd say the Fed's first primary focus was 
stopping the loss of jobs. And then secondly was stopping the free fall of real estate values. And then we found the stabilization of the job market and stabilization of housing. Then we found a lot of stimulus get thrown into bringing back the value of housing, um, which consequently, you know, by design drags back jobs. And now that housing and jobs are in a relatively stable state. I mean, you could maybe there's still a little that you could want for in terms of real estate or job. However, um, now it's about that time of figuring out inflation. Time to get things heading in that um, more expensive direction and for the general health of the economy. And once that begins to take hold is where we're going to see interest rates go up. So but looking forward a little bit, and you already alluded to this, energy prices are expected to continue down. Right. So that's not going to help well, I was just inflation say, at that's all. Not, that's not a mark in the right column where we have... I mean, it's good for the consumer's wallet, but it's bad for the policy that the Fed's trying to achieve. That's right. So it's like, you know, kind of counterproductive in some fashion. But those energy prices need to stabilize too. And you got to remember, just as gold was a hedge... Um, through the, the weak economy, too, I do believe that um, energy costs, particularly the, the cost for a barrel of oil, um, was likewise was hedged, too, against a poor economy. So now that we're you know, undoubtedly getting into a safer spot, I think the fat comes off of both of those things as we get back to, like, the normal business dealing. And um, pretty wild, too. I mean, I, I always want to just remind myself the context of how this all plays out you've got to remember now i was telling this story last night to a buddy of mine that's a professor at cal poly um this mess we first caught wind of in about september of 2006 that was when you and i were first having conversations about what was really likely to happen um 2007 End of the first quarter was when it became very real that it was not survivable. Um, that was literally going on eight years ago now. We're in that season. It's been about eight years that this has been going underway. And if you don't think that's a big deal, the kids that were freshmen in high school eight years ago are now graduating college. There's essentially an entire generation of people that have come up through this depression really that we've had and are now you know thankfully beginning to see that there are some jobs out there there are increasing wages there's reason to believe in a brighter tomorrow real estate doesn't seem like a great speculative bet but rather an important i mean when you read about what the millennials are facing right now we keep talking about why aren't the millennials buying um, one of the reasons the millennials aren't buying is they finally realize the severity of the decision to own real estate is very expensive. It's a very long term plan, comes with a lot of responsibility and it has a great impact on mobility. To me, those are very normal ways to address that. And 10 years ago, you know, 12 years ago, whatever, when were we getting out of college? Somewhere around there, 13, 14 years ago was, um, no, nobody considered the long-term responsibility of owning real estate. It was, you know, buy the heck out of this crap however you can and watch it appreciate making you wealth. It. 
(laughs) so much wealth. It doesn't matter that your carry cost on that property was negative because it was going up, you know, 30 to $60,000 a year in value. So my, how the, the, the average mentality of real estate has changed in that time period. And thank God it has. Uh, when we, when I read these stories now about why the millennials aren't buying, um, I'm not too freaked out about that. I actually think it's, I'm refreshed to see that people are, especially the coming of age generation is realizing that owning real estate is not just a get rich quick scheme. It's a slow and steady path to build wealth over time. And you have to be ready for what that means as far as your mobility and your freedom and your discretionary income. Um, so all in all, it's been a long eight years. And when you look at it in that perspective, it, um, we've come a long way. And I do think finally now I'm willing to say that there's enough positive data every day now. You can't really argue that things are that bad anymore. They're, um, in fact, pretty good. We do need to do a commercial break, but I've got a lot of housing stuff here, too. I want to talk about construction spending. Uh, We've got existing and new home sales. There's even a little bit about GDP, pending home sales. So we'll we'll dig into that housing part of that um, in a bit here after the break. But do stick with us for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show.
gonna start to see the reaction. So, this yeah, Alrighty, welcome back. We're, um, we're in here talking about what's gonna, you know, what to expect this upcoming year. And I think Dan and I both agree that I don't think we're likely to see higher interest rates this year. And I'm not talking about just like the, uh, what's going to happen to mortgage rates. Those probably are going to go up a little bit relative to everything else. However, talk about the Fed's rate, that the overnight rate, the discount rate, um, prime. What's going to happen with, you know, the Fed, the Fed has a direct ability in several of these ways to, or several of these markets to just pull the string. Hey, you know, prime was three quarters. Now it's one or it's one and a quarter. I mean, they can do that quarter half point increment raise per month. And they have, I mean, just as easy as, they knocked rates down every meeting for those years leading, you know, that we were when this recession was started. They can go start putting them back up, too. So that's the big question is when is that going to happen? I don't believe that happens in 2015. Well, and what we were the rationale behind that thought was that inflation could remain annoyingly low with with energy prices on the downward trend with other major economies. I mean, we've got Japan who's struggling big time. China's not like in a recession, but they're not seeing the the same level of growth that they saw um, several years ago. So with with other, and, and of course, Europe has been struggling all along with us, um, with all of those economies still struggling to, to get on the right path, and with inflation probably remaining below target next year, um, it could be one more year of this ultra low rate environment. Um, I, I still believe that the Fed's going to start to move that benchmark rate up from the zero to quarter percent range that it's been in for five plus years. Um, in 2015? I, I think so. I still think so, but I think you're going to see a small bump up and then a month off and then another small bump up and another month off. And that's going to be the end of the year right there. Yeah. Um, but I think the bigger increases are coming in 2016. But then you brought up that we'll be probably a, a few months into the actual election cycle. The actual election won't take place until November of 2016, presidential election, I mean. Um, but we know campaigning now is kind of like Black Friday. It just keeps getting earlier and earlier. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll definitely be in that season. Of then, And then you have all that uncertainty, which may have a an impact on on where rates are heading also the reason i underestimated uh the tapering by the way as far as when it was going to happen and 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 how the plan was going to be executed the reason i underestimated it was in my mind i think of the housing market was so pummeled right so nasty Things were so bad for so long. And then we got it a shot in the arm. Finally, we changed the morale and opinion about what real estate was to own. And we sort of got people coming back to the watering trough, right? And I remember thinking these feds would be so foolish to implement something now that would cool that off. I would welcome the feeding frenzy um, and let that go on for a while just to kind of um, just to restore it and give give it a longer run after so many years of being bad. Give it a little bit more. 
And at the same time, it was it was kind of going crazy. I mean, you could say it was white hot that November of 2012 where we just had, you know, multiple offers and people buying houses sight unseen again and outbidding one another for, if nothing else, the sake of competition than actual investment. Um, and so for me, I guess I wasn't satisfied that enough was enough. I didn't feel as though housing had enough time once it got white hot. Um, I felt like it was silly to pull the plug on it, but that's that question is when is enough enough? And now with the jobs, no doubt. I mean, the minutes are going to become ever more important this next year as we keep Let's say that for three months running, we have jobs over 300,000 a month. That's where at some point the feds have to kick back and say, hey, because these um, fiscal and financial decisions that they make for the country's monetary policy, those decisions often it's like they say it's like turning a super tanker, right? Make this adjustment today to see it hit the streets in six months, to see the course change direction in two quarters, uh, not tomorrow or next week or later this month, that doesn't have that immediate of an impact. So when we begin to feel that it's white hot now and we feel the benefit in the street, the Fed throws kind of the wet blanket like they did, you know, in terms of bumping interest rates up and kind of cooling off housing, knowing that it takes six months for that to really take hold and try to find normalcy then. So I do leave myself a little bit of the out that um, I could be underestimating that too, because part of me wants to say, I'd like to see a whole year of creating three and 400,000 jobs a year. And you know what's going to happen? Uh, I mean, a month for a year. You know what's going to happen if we do start creating 400,000 jobs a month? You run out of the labor supply People and the are wages, start making more money. The wages begin to go crazy. Yeah. And when that wage happens, there you, you know, that's where inflation will really start to go gangbuster because you flush the general economy with the cash to be a consumer and then that demand then comes to that increased price. I I find that 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 part of it right there, I'll, I'll acknowledge because of my lesson learned in this recent change in housing, that that's entirely possible to happen now with interest rates related to inflation. When we see it happen now, it means that things need to begin to happen to curb the behavior six months from now. And, you know, and you could be very well right. One or two adjustments this year at the very tail end of the year certainly wouldn't surprise me, especially thinking that between now and June, we could create 2.4 million jobs in the year, which would be more than what we did in 2014, which would have some real impact to inflation. And don't you get the feeling that inflation's actually quite a scary thing? Um it's like if you don't have enough, you have a problem. If you have too much, you have a problem. So how do you like nudge it close to the cliff without having it roll back and kill you or fall over and kill the those below? It's what do you do with that? So you have no choice but to flirt with disaster. And obviously that's what we're doing now. And it's complicated because of the falling cost of energy now. Um, I think that is one new metric that the feds have caught and got to be going, oh, wow, what does this mean now that um, 
we're seeing I, I I don't buy a lot of actual gasoline because I drive a diesel car, but um, the, I've seen fuel um, gasoline around um, parts of the state for under three dollars a gallon. Um, so I don't know if that's really the norm all around town here, but that's pretty inexpensive when you consider where we came from. That's you know probably a thirty percent drop from where it was. I was going to say about 40 because I, I mean, just judging by what it took to fill up my tank before when it was a hundred or more, now it's 60 to 65 bucks. So about 35, 40% drop. Yeah. So by the time that trickles all the way through six months from now, I mean, that drops the cost to produce, right? Yeah. Cost goes down to delivering it to the the distribution channels and the packaging and all that, that relies so much on that energy. Then also the consumer's ability to get to it by what it costs for them. You feel a little bit better about driving across town to go shopping. If you know that it's not a $15 round trip, it's only a $9 round trip or a $7 round trip. You kind of stop thinking about what it costs per round trip. Yeah. I remember thinking when gas was over four fifty a gallon, I was doing the math in my truck and we were living in Los Osos and I'm going, Hey, it costs me $17 to go to slow and back. So all of a sudden I'm like, uh, no, we won't be going to slow for a $40 dinner because that's actually a $60 dinner. And, you know, it starts to affect your behavior as it's dropping. Now people stop doing that math and they begin going and shopping and dining out and doing those things that, um, you know, and, but the problem is, is that it makes it cheaper in the beginning. If those goods can get to the consumer cheaper, then, that incents them to come out and buy. And, you know, don't we love a deal? We just came off a of Black Friday. If a, if the producer price index drops a little bit because it costs less to produce, then the consumer price index drops a little bit because it costs less for us to consume. Um, that's not inflation. And the feds have been trying hard to create inflation, and that that wants it to go the other way. So that's a that's a little bit of the a fly in the ointment. I think if the feds had their druthers, they probably would have picked fuel to stay constant to increasing rather than um, I don't want to call it free falling because I'm all for fuel going to two bucks a gallon if that's where uh, it wants to go. But yeah, I'd really like to see energy down, wages up, and that fuel the inflation. That'd yeah. be. That'd be a sweet little recipe there. As my dad says, that'd be mo better. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's lots of fun talk. Um, so you were teasing us with some, yeah, some housing numbers. Yeah, just a couple housing quick ones. Like? I'm not gonna. I don't want to go too deep into all of them. We do owe one more break, and then I wanted to talk. Actually, wanted to talk rehab loans a little bit for a minute because um, I think it's fitting. But uh, yeah, so I brought uh, some housing stuff to talk about. So I'm going to dash through these kind of quick. Stop and interject if you feel like it. Um, in October, construction spending rose. It's a pretty negligible rise, 1.1%. I don't think that's much, but the important thing is, is that it didn't go down. We're increasing what we're spending on construction, and that's a good thing. Um, this number, by the way, uh, $939.9 .9 billion dollars. That's what 1.1% represents? Well, that's what the total spending is for the month of October. I see. That is a lot of money. We've gotten uh, through the course almost, of all Is that this, almost a trillion dollars? Yeah. And through all of the stimulus and everything that goes on, we've gotten to the point where that um, we're like, a oh, billion dollars is nothing. <laughs> 
we trade a billion dollars for a hostage. That's this is a lot of money. Point is, it's increasing. That's a great thing for new construction because for the better part of the last nine years, that number was not going up. Um, we learned that existing home sales sold at 5.26 um, million unit pace for the month of October. That number two, 5.26 million, feels like it's kind of um, suspended out of context. The estimate was for 5.15 million units. So you actually picked up an extra, you know, 126,000 units on there, uh, more than what was expected. So that too is a good thing. It means that the existing previously lived in home stock is actually selling quite well. Um, by the way, tossed up in that mix during um, last week's data, the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index said that property values increased 4.9% um, from September of 2013. So looking at a year over year, that index has a two-month lag, which is why we're talking about September. But show a year over year gain of 4.9%. Um, that's pretty good. We always say that a healthy market's between three and five. Love to see that number hanging out right there at 5%. That's something long-term sustainable that is a is a component of a healthy house appreciation. Um, of course, it gets criticized that the, the index is falling because a month ago or a year ago... The pace of appreciation correct. is going down that doesn't matter let's just focus on the fact that the asset is appreciating at exactly the margin that we hope it to appreciate at. that's a good another good piece of data there um, October new home sales so these are newly constructed homes never yet lived in um, increased 0.7% in October to an annually adjusted rate of 458,000 units that too is good news seeing that more never lived in new home sales are actually um, doing great now the uh the other proverbial fly in the ointment here is pending home sales um a 1.1 percent declined however is that a month over month or year over year that's a month over month and, and that's and expected by the way, because of the seasonality yeah and by the way, a month ago, it was plus 0.3%. So you're basically seeing just a touch of volatility there in pending home sales. This metric is a is a one that we all care about because pending homes are homes that are offered for sale now under contract to be sold, but not yet closed. So that's sort of a precursor to what we should expect in months to come. However, you hit it on the head. People don't like to do open houses during Thanksgiving and Christmas. You don't move your kid in the middle of the school year. It's not a great time. Usually we're doing tax planning and you know making sure assets and every liabilities and all that are in the appropriate places they should be for the wrap up of another calendar year. Transacting real estate this time of year is not actually that popular. So I worry less about that one, but all in all, I mean, that sums up the housing data. That's a lot of good news. That is ultimately positive movement in most every category that you could concern yourself with over housing. And the, I think that the takeaway from this too is that Case Shiller is showing us that we're exactly where we're supposed to be for the values of a healthy real estate economy. And, and that's something I think to be thankful for. 
Because remember, this stuff's all defined by contradiction. And we remember what it was just a few years ago where there was no good news in a single one of these categories, let alone all of them. So um, that that that's sort of what I'll give you for your retroactive um, what to be grateful for on Thanksgiving <laughs> right there. It's 1041. We have a 20-minute stretch left in the show. We got to do a commercial break to thank our sponsors. When we get back, I do want to talk a little bit about rehab loans um, because I do. I think there's a place for this and, and maybe a strategy to be utilized to accomplish doing that remodel or that add-on or trading those old aluminum single-pane windows out into something more efficient. Uh, we've got just the avenue here to talk to you about what you might be able to do so stick with us after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's just a quarter till 11, so we're running quickly out of time here. Um, yeah, I was putting together notes for the show this week, and it seems like it comes up most every day in the office. Somebody calls looking for some construction money, some rehab money. They want to do a remodel or something to the house. And um, 
or another popular theme lately is people that are mid construction <laughs> and ran out of fundage. So that happens. I I wish it wouldn't, but it does. And so thought it just might be interesting to make you guys um, aware of programs. Now, I realize that since you don't do this for a living, you're not likely to be able to to recite all of these things. So the general takeaway is if you have a financing need for your house um, or are planning on doing something and want to find out what your possibilities are or better yet, how to budget what the expenses for your dreams are, uh, that's where we can hop in and help you. So wanted to talk about that a little bit and say, first and foremost, there's a few, uh, there's a few different ways to tackle it. If somebody comes into me and says that they're looking to uh, do a bathroom remodel or maybe a pretty significant kitchen remodel, I mean, you can um, you can dump about fifty grand into a kitchen, can't you, Dan? You can spend even more than that. You can, can't you? <laughs> yes, you can. And if what you want to do is take your, you know, functioning but outdated or you know maybe just less than optimized kitchen, you've saved you know, save some money or you've got equity and you're trying to figure out how to make it happen. Um, usually I'd tell somebody that one of the better things you can do is to do a refinance and just take cash out of your house before you take that first tile off, before you remove a single cabinet door. The smartest thing you can do, the cheapest way to access money is just to do a standard old Fannie Mae 30 year fixed and do, if you got enough equity to do so, um, you're going to do a hundred per, you know, a hundred thousand dollar cash out refi. Um, the downside to this is that at the close of escrow, you are handed a check or wired a hundred thousand bucks and left then to your own management of that money, the time frames, everything that goes into it. You're also accumulating the interest cost on that money right from day one. Um, I'm still going to argue that usually that's the very best thing that you can do. If you can't, because maybe your your remodel or your add-on is going to increase the equity in your home, so you don't yet have the equity to pull $100,000 out, but once the bathrooms or the kitchen or that new second floor you want to put on are done, now your house is going to go from, you know, in cases we see a 1,500-square-foot house go to a 2,500-square-foot house, and the difference in the marketability of that more than makes up for what it costs to build it. When we see that happen, those are ones where you can't do a cash out refi because you don't have the equity yet. You need another, you need another type of loan. Um, there's a lot of options in that. I mean, there's standard construction loans that will make an evaluation of your cost to build um, that total cost of the transaction and loan you some portion of that. Basically, looking at the projected value of your home after improvement. Um, that can be difficult and hard to uh, to get. Those kind of loans aren't the easiest loans to get. There's a couple of loans offered by by way of FHA where it's actually a pretty simple little deal. Um, the first one is called the um, 203K Streamline. The bottom line here is you can do non-structural repairs up to $35,000 on your house. And you can actually do it um, largely as owner builder. So if you want to put in some new floors or some new windows, maybe you want to upgrade your appliances to energy efficient appliances. 
Um, these are the kind of things that the 203K loan permits. And that's an FHA loan, so you're contending with FHA mortgage insurance, but still a pretty nifty way because you don't need a whole bunch of equity in your property to do that. FHA loans up to you know 96.5% of the property value. So that's a cool way if you're wanting to do a bathroom facelift or a kitchen facelift, you're wanting to, like I said, those energy efficient appliances. Dan, how much money can somebody spend on appliances in their kitchen? I mean, this is this can be eight, ten, twelve thousand bucks alone. Yeah, I mean it. It can be upwards of eight or ten thousand dollars. It depends on if you're doing the double ovens and the super high end stuff, or yeah. if you're doing more of the. You know, I don't like to spend time in my kitchen kind of upgrade. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes we get people that come and they want to do new windows, dual pane vinyl windows. They also like to do some energy efficient appliances, not quite the Viking double range type of setup, but something nice and energy efficient. These kind of things can be included in that program. Makes it a really cool program. Um, that is, if you're interested in learning more about that, you can call us this week, make an appointment, come in and talk about it. It gets a little bit more complicated when you want to move that wall or redo the roof. Um, cause here's a good question for you, Dan, um, on a 2000 square foot house, um, a roof can be pretty expensive, can't it? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're doing and if you have to scrape all the layers of shingles or if you're just throwing a layer on top. And it, it kind of depends. If you want to do like a, you know, one of the comp shingle roofs or if you're interested in doing like a Mediterranean tile roof, I mean, there's right. a lot that can go into it. And, and you may be in a neighborhood where it's time to redo the tile roof and the CCNRs won't permit you to put on a, a comp shingle roof. In that case, um, you know, I've heard of roofs that are costing from twenty to $75,000, depending on the, the complexity and materials and what the labor entails. Um, oftentimes people don't have that kind of cash laying around. So utilize a construction loan. Um, in, like I said, I started this conversation by saying, if you need to put a $50,000 roof on your house, the best way to do that is if you have the equity to take a $50,000 cash out refi and just do a standard loan before you take that first shingle off and then you'll have the cash to put it back on. If you don't have that cash or that equity, now we're talking about perhaps doing the 203K full. This is ultimately unlimited funds up to the FHA loan limits for major. I mean, this program will actually allow you to demo your house all the way down to one wall. You can redo all the plumbing. You can redo all the electrical. You can redo everything from the ground up. You do because it's a rehab and not a construction loan. You have to leave one wall standing. Um, but a great way for you to be able to do then more significant upgrades and repairs. And by that, examples would be you want to um, convert the garage to living space, or you want to maybe you want to put a second story over your garage. Um, in fact, this program will actually even allow you to put in a pool. If you are interested in putting in a pool with a patio and a fence around it, this program will actually allow things like that. So when you get into the structural part of it, the part where you probably really need to have a contractor. So the 203K full is not like a, 
a do-it-yourselfer the way the 203k streamline is they'll trust you um, to swap out your your oven or your window or your floor they're not going to trust you to swap out and you know frame up a second story or you know redo those more significant things like move load-bearing walls so they require contractors in that um, but let's say I'm not the minimum equity kind of situation. I want to avoid FHA mortgage insurance because it's really expensive. Oh, yeah. There's got to be another option. There are options. Um, and again, I'm going to go back to saying, first of all, if what you want to do is an add-on, like you want to put a 700 square foot bedroom, uh, bathroom, you know, whatever type of addition on the side of your house, the very first thing that we're going to talk about when you come in is say, what's the budget on that? It's 130 grand. When you have $130,000 plus in equity, before you do anything, you could do a cash out refi to put that $130,000 in the bank so that you can self-finance your own construction. That's going to be the best way to do it. And that's always going to be the first thing we look for. But if you can't do that and you can't do that with mortgage insurance, there's another program too, like Fannie Mae has a rehab loan um, that we're able to offer. There are also other construction loans that'll play into that too that don't have all of the mortgage insurance. So yeah, those FHA ones are generally gonna be reserved for people that just lack the equity or um, maybe you don't lack the equity, but when you're talking about taking out a construction loan or for many purposes, even like a, um, a new Fannie Mae loan, maybe you had a short sale three years ago. Fannie isn't interested in giving you $100,000 cash out when you have that recent of an issue. Um, the construction lenders, they're not going to deal with you and your bankruptcy from five years ago. They do not like that stuff. Their deals are risky enough as it is. So if those are the cases, sometimes people end up in one of the FHA loans too because they benefit from the leniency of the underwriting standards in terms of credit and derogatory items and those kind of things. Um, but so yeah, there's a lot of options there. And again, I want the takeaway to be if you've got a dream or a want or a need that you're trying to figure out how to sort of figure out where the jumping off point is, we can help you with that. And then we can refer you. We know we have great relationships with some uh, builders that have in-house in architecture and able to kind of help you go from the idea, we'll put together the budget, we'll all work together to figure out how to finance it to make it possible. If you've got that kind of thing, um, what you want to do is come see us. And and the other the reason why I think this is becoming a bigger deal here now is let's say you bought that house, that starter house in Osos, you know, or a Tascadero, or even in San Luis um, four years ago, where you got a smoke and deal on it. There's a lot of houses over there off Ocean Air, right? That are like thousand square foot houses. And maybe you bought that a couple years ago. I know I did some loans for people that bought houses off Ocean Air that were 1,000 square feet for $290,000. It seems unfathomable today that that happened. But one of the cool things about that is that those guys got a good deal. They've got a lot of equity now. There's room to add on. They've got a good tax base. Going through and improving the property that you're in usually proves to be, you know, if you can stomach it and the budget works out right and you know how to finance it, it's a viable option instead of just being forced to sell your house and go try to buy a new one. 
Um, one of the biggest objections I hear people and they're valid objection, but if you want to, if you're wanting to move up today, you got to be pretty freaked out about selling your house and not finding a suitable replacement in time. Um, so it keeps a lot of people paralyzed and not able to sell their house and make that deal. So now we're seeing more and more people come back and say, well, since I can't sell my house, but it's really important to me that I have um, you know, a music studio or I have a better, more functional kitchen. You know, Going through the holiday season here too, you have people that'll look around and say, I really love the floor plan of those houses like my house where the kitchen is very open and it's very connected to the dining area and the living area. And there's a lot of home designs where that's not the case. The people that are in the kitchen are isolated from the rest of the family that's traveled to be there. So when you're looking at that, think about that. There's opportunity there to improve the house that you're in with a variety of different ways to finance it, to open your kitchen up and make your house more livable, enjoyable. Um, you don't just have to sell your house and you don't have to continue to be dissatisfied in it. So that's the rant about the rehab loans. Again, if you're interested in just figuring out whether or not it's a pipe dream, you can call us. We'd love to walk through that stuff with you. Um, everyone on our staff is qualified to talk with you about that. You can call us this week at 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. We also have some information about these programs on our website, information about calculators and interest rates. Um, likewise, you'll find an online loan application. There's a lot of resource there. If you've got some curiosity and aren't quite ready to call yet, you could familiarize yourself with our our products and our company by going to centralcoastlending.com. Uh, but all in all, I hope that you guys get the sense that we're straight shooters that deal very much in being upfront and open about the way this stuff works. And we'd love to be able to help you. Um, the programs that we offer every bit as good, if not better than the programs and offerings you'll find from the big banks. So um, take advantage of that. Make that your advantage to get in touch with us this week. 543-5626 or centralcoastlending.com. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mortgage Matters. Thanks ever so much for being with us. Guys, have a great week.